From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I am Kyle, and it is a pleasure to have you guys back on the show with us. Before we get into our topic today, I want to talk over something that has helped me in life. I tend to get a little anxious, a little hurried, just in my my daily routine. And I was talking to a fellow youth pastor, and he had a blog out. And his blog out, it was called The Daily Five. And um, so, Kevin, I want to ask you this, but I'll set it up real quick. Basically, in his blog... He talks about how his pastor was talking about a lot of us try to find our place in life, but we rarely ever find our pace in life. And if that could describe me to a T, that just did. Constantly trying to find my fit, constantly trying to find out what I like to do, what am I going to be good at, and who I can get along with, and then realizing I don't prioritize anything. There's everything is super important to me, and that causes my anxiousness. And so, He basically said, you have to find your daily five. What are five things that you need to do daily where you are going to progress as a human being, where you're going to find success in your work, success in your family, things like that. And so he wrote his down. I'm going to give you my five, and then I'm going to ask you what your five is. So my five would be this, and I'll explain them. But the first thing is body. Second thing is soul. Third thing is mind. And I know you're thinking, wow, how cliche, Kyle. (laughs) <laughs> right? but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna get through it and then the fourth thing is family and then the fifth thing is connect so i've got body soul mind family connect i feel like if i can do these five every day i will be satisfied with what i accomplished that day i'll be able to turn my mind off slow my heart rate down a little bit and feel accomplished body gym i, I need a healthy routine as far as the gym goes in order to feel like i've accomplished something and every day. A uh, soul, I need to read and pray. As a pastor, you can feel like you're having a relationship with God and realize you didn't talk to him at all, even though you studied his word, even though you've counseled students and you've done things according to godly counsel, you didn't have godly counsel yourself. Mm-hmm. So I need to read and pray. My mind, I need to get my job done. Whatever it is that day that I need to do, I need to work. And what I've had to learn is I have to prioritize on Monday what needs to be done, on Tuesday what needs to be done. Otherwise, Monday and Tuesday, they just become one day, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, so I've got body, soul, mind, family. When I go home, my phone needs to be put down. Work's already done. Reading and praying, it's already done. Gym, it's already done. When I get home, it's time to be present. I need to be there for my girls, help make the mac and cheese, watch Little Mermaid for the hundredth time. Whatever needs to be done, that's my time for that. And then before bed, I have to make sure that I've connected with at least one student and one friend every day. So Mm -hmm. that's mine. Body, soul, mind, family, connect. 
And so that's, that's, it's helped me. It's helped me feel like I've got life under control. Even if there's chaotic moments, I know that I'm within that daily five. Mm -hmm. So Kev, what would you say your five are? Yeah, no, Kyle, first, I just want to say, I think this is excellent. And I think for all, any of the listeners that that are in the audience right now, I mean, if you, you know, because we all want structure in our day, like we we all want it, but a lot of times it's just chaotic. It's hard to achieve. Yeah, it's hard to achieve because we just, you know, we're putting out fires all day or we're, you know, going from one thing to the other. We're so rushed, right? But I think if this could bring some structure to your day, and I think it's, I think it's really good. So my five are, so my first one is pray. You know, prayer is super important. And I don't think we put a cap on how long or how short the prayer is. I think we, you know, I, I think we should pray a good amount of time each day, you know, but I think prayer, it, you know, the world talks a lot about being centered, you know, through meditation or through yoga and through all these other supplemental things. But I think prayer truly does center you because it keeps you grounded. And it keeps you focused on what really matters, right? It, it's, you know, it takes you back to where you need to be. And then my second one is just Bible time, right? Just, mm-hmm. just, you know, what is God speaking? What is God saying to me today? And then I have dream. So I try to dream every single day. You know, I dream about the future. I dream about new ministries. I dream about, you know, things for my family. Just, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. If anybody's you know close to me, they know I'm a dr- just a driven person. So I have about seventy things going on at once, and I will tell you my dreams because <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But I think you you need that 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 brings life and it keeps you alive, right? Um, to dream. And then my fourth one is give. So, and it doesn't necessarily have to be money, but my wife and I we we love to give, and so. We, you know, it could be random giving of money, but it could also be giving of time. I've always said that when I interact with people on a daily basis, I want to be the one person in their life that they know that I truly love them or Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them a smile or I'm going to, you know, just let them know that I care. And so, you know, Outside of ministry, I work in human resources, and that's one of my main goals is I want my employees to know that I appreciate them. I love them. I'm there for them. All of those things, right? Because so many people Mm -hmm. go through a lot of things, and I think we should always give. And then, of course, my fifth one is family. Just as Kyle said, being present, you know, and I, you know what? And none of these am I perfect at every single day. Like, it's just, that's just not, (laughs) that would not be the truth. You know, there are times that I'm working from morning till night and it, you know, and I'm not as present as I should be, but you know, I'm, but those are things that I'm working on as well. But those are my five things that I feel like is important that I delve into every single day. Yeah. And, and just what I've learned is it, you're not, we're not going to be perfect. We're not, no. we're not perfect in anything that we do, No, but I've learned, especially with, with having such a busy lifestyle you have to prioritize things the right way. Yeah. For me, everything can be a priority. Mm-hmm. Like every, everything has the same amount of importance to me because in my opinion, the level of importance is measured by what's going to calm me down if right. I finish it. Yeah. Well, everything is, you know, mm-hmm. I'll finally get a good night's sleep or I, I won't stress and I'll actually be present with my family if I can actually do this. And I just, I had to learn that that is so unhealthy. And so figuring out 
the time frame for everything, getting that prioritized, it helps having the five, like, here's what you're going to do, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you're, for the, the third point on mine is mine. Get your stuff prioritized and you can focus. You can get done the rest of your stuff. So if you're listening and you find yourself constantly just, you feel like you're behind, you feel like you never prep, you feel like you can never really get ahead. What's helped me is knowing what my five are and before I go to bed, preparing for that five the next day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And making sure that I get that done. And I've noticed just in my emotions, I've been able to kind of stay at a level of of like a happy medium, you know, Mm -hmm. like my stress doesn't get too high or I don't get too low or too high and happy or sad because I'm just working at me, you know, I'm, I'm working at my pace finally in life and I'm able to get that kind of stuff done. I find myself being happier. I find myself when things don't go right, not freaking out and kind of laughing it off and saying, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And realizing that 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 issue is a priority for another day at this point. You know what I'm saying? And so, guys, it just helps. It just helps being aware of yourself and just aware of your surroundings and finding your pace. So, as we get into this topic today, just want to challenge you, find your pace. What are your five that you need to start doing on a daily basis? So, yeah. So, with that being said, let's get into our topic. I think it's a topic that we're we're going to see on a national scale today in our conversation Kevin but churches schools and homes locally we're going to start dealing with this more and more basically what decisions are we going to make are we going to support certain areas of this how are we not going to support certain areas of this but not lose friendships and not lose credibility um Bethany Christian Services which if you don't know who they are, they are one of the country's largest adoption and foster care agencies. Mm-hmm. They're a Michigan-based evangelical organization. And recently, they announced that they are going to begin providing services for adoption and fostering children to the LGBTQ parents nationwide, and that's effective immediately. Mm. And this is obviously a huge situation. Um, They made this change in an email to about 1,500 staff members signed by the organization's president and chief executive. And as an evangelical ourselves, we know the tension there. Mm -hmm. We know the tension in wanting to support the family structure and understanding that the second that this organization opens up foster and adoption care to LGBTQ parents, that family structure is no longer supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this is a significant announcement. This is a huge announcement. And that's something that we want to discuss today. And so, Kevin, I know that you have some notes specifically from the president himself and just quotes and why they made this decision. If you, I don't know if you want to get into that right now, but kind of give some understanding. Why did Bethany decide that now was the time that they were going to start accepting applications from LGBTQ families nationwide to allow adoption and foster care into their homes. Yeah, I would just say if if you don't know, you you might say, well, man, what you know, why did you pick this organization out of other organizations out there? If and you may not be in the adoption or foster care space or you know anything like that. But you have to understand, this is one of the biggest stories that would come out that's going to come out of evangelical circles this year. I mean, this is this is major. Bethany Christian Services 
is a ginormous force when it comes to adoption agencies, Christian and non-Christian, but especially right. Christian adoption right. agencies. They not only do foster care and adoptions, but they have pregnancy assistance, and also they do refugee care. You know, they're all over the planet, right? It's not just you know in the United States; they're literally all over the world, and so it's a it's a it's a big big thing. Yeah, and we're going to be able to connect as men and women, Christian non Christian, because a lot of us are hanging in limbo right now. How how do we with the surge of the LGBTQ community now infiltrating in many different ways. It's become a norm of life and forced upon in schools and education systems where students are going to have to accept certain facts of the LGBTQ community. Churches and homes were forced with having to make certain decisions and Bethany did it on a larger scale. That's why we're talking about it. They've decided to make a decision in agreement with the LGBTQ community where Many of us either are refusing to or haven't decided whether or not we are going to. And so we're going to talk about that today to help educate why Bethany could have made this decision, where we feel like they had to make it and where we feel like they shouldn't have made it, but where we as men and women are going to have to find our convictions or we're going to have to find our line in the sand in our walk with the Lord and in our belief system, in our faith. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, just to for you to understand their impact, uh, in 2019, their ministry affected 234,746 lives around the world uh, and the U.S. So, I mean, just a just a huge impact that this organization is is having. Now, I will tell you, I mean, just from a personal point, you know, my wife and I, when we, we had talked just a few years ago about adopting, and we were pretty sure that Bethany was the agency that we were going to go through, you know, and, you know, it, it's it's crazy to think that I would have never dreamed that they would have made this kind of decision. But let me, I'm going to read to you what Nathan Bolt, which is the senior vice president of Bethany, said. Uh, He said that faith in Jesus is at the core of our mission, but we are not claiming a position on the various doctrinal issues about which Christians may disagree. So he's saying that, you know, Jesus and faith in Jesus is at the core of their mission which you can't separate the, a mission about Jesus and Jesus. Like that's, you, you can't do that. Like, right. you know, how do you have something right. about somebody and then say, well, you know, we just don't, we, we don't have anything to do with, with what, really what he said. I mean, there's a couple of things he said we don't really agree with. So we just, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Right. And until just recently, that's the way they believed. Right. And I understand this is an emotional issue. Right. I mean, I look, you know, in, in the statistic here is 150 million kids, 150 million. Let that sink in for a second. 150 million. So pretty much. So we've got roughly, I don't know, 300 million people who live in the U.S. Right. And I'm not mm-hmm. I'm just saying it off of memory, not looking at the actual stats, but it's somewhere around there. 300 million people. OK. Take half of the United States. And that's how many children 
don't have a permanent home. Right. I mean, just think about that for a second. So, and what Bethany said, and I, and I quote, to us, that's simply unacceptable. And I agree with that 100%. Why is it that half of the U.S.'s population and children do not have homes? Now, you know, the 150 million is, is, is counting every, you know, all the kids in the entire world. But that's, that's literally insane. It is. And you're dealing with an emotional issue, right? Because, you know, we're dealing with children who've been abandoned, but we're also dealing with couples who, by definition of their union, cannot have children. Right. So, right. you know, right. you, you got a man and a man, you got a woman and a woman. Right. It, it, you know, so if they're in a, in a gay relationship, they can't have children, but they desperately want children and they feel like that they want, you know, they can be great parents to these children. So for me, I look at that and I struggle because I, I look at, hey, these kids need if we don't have enough traditional families stepping up to the plate. These kids need a home, right? And then I look at the LGBT couples and I go, man, you know, they want children, right? Mm-hmm. They're not, they, they don't understand that that lifestyle is not good for those children. And, and, it, and it, you know, it lacks balance, right? They don't understand that. So they're just saying, man, we want children to love on, right? So I think it's an emotional issue. You know, for for me, yeah, no, and, and and that's where it gets hard as a Christian because you love God, you love people, yeah, you know, and you validate two important things. You validate the fact that well, kids need a home, and then you're validating the fact that men and women want to be parents, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, and and based on their you know their their choice of sex or their choice of union. I mean, they can still be good parents. And so you get, you get in this balance of you don't want to sound judgy and you don't want to sound like you're condemning and you don't want to sound like you're negating the fact that they can be good parents, but we still have to hold true to the fundamental truth of what God supports in the home and how, right. how we have been biologically wired and created to have. We talked about in the beginning of the show, there's a balance in life mm-hmm. and we're all trying to find our pace. But there is a reason. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if Jesus isn't the author, if you don't believe Jesus is the author of your life, you're not going to agree with this. But mm-hmm. we do on this show. And with that being said, there's a way that he's authored it up. And if we choose to not follow certain directions and guidelines to how the story is written in our lives, we are going to have a side story. And it is not going to look the way that God has intended it to look. And so now... If you are Bethany and you're saying, hey, we are a Christian service, well, the thought is that your Christian service is based on that authorship. The thought is that your, your Christian service is based on the fundamental truth of you're impacting homes in the way that God had created homes to be impacted. Right. Now, now Kevin, you brought up, you brought a, a, up a great, a great point about, and you said it, you said, maybe there's just not enough male and female homes that are stepping up to the plate. And so, and so then you got the LGBTQ community is probably asking, so then why are we suffering for stepping up to the plate? You, you, you get what I'm saying? Right. You know, and I also think, Kyle, I look at this and say, when you tell, think about it, just in the, re, in, in the regular traditional sense, 
it is a huge stain on you if you tell somebody they're not fit to be a parent. Right. I mean, right. think about that. You know, you, somebody right. comes up to you and go, you know what, Kyle, you know, you know, Brooke's going to get custody of the kids because you're just not you're not fit to be the oh. parent of your girls. Right. Oh. Like you would you would throw hands. Right. Well, be- it would be traumatizing. Yeah. Like that's. And so for us to say to people of the, you know, that that are in same sex relationships, for us to say, well, you're just not fit to be a parent. They're just looking at us like, what do you mean? Like, it just seems so mean, right? It just seems so cruel to say that because in society, when a person's not fit, it's because, you know, either that person's violent or that person has neglected, you know, kids before, or there's been some molestation. Like, there's, there's some things and reasons why a judge would look at a dad and say, I know these right. are your children. But unfortunately, you are not fit to raise them. So I wonder if it's more, and, and hear me out on this, if it's more of an attack, because we're going to get into the why. Why did, yeah. why did Bethany Christian Services, why did they do this? And the, the chief executive said, we will now offer services with the love and compassion of Jesus to many types of families who exist in our world today. We're taking an all-hands-deck approach where all are welcome. Now, I want to digest his comment, but before I do that, I don't think that it's, and I don't want to play the not fair card, but Christian services, churches, Christian homes, the Christian lifestyle has made it very evident on what they believe, why they believe, and where they stand. Mm -hmm. So, is it wrong of me to say, and you can tell me, I don't care if it's wrong of me to say that if you're looking to adopt, why attack a Christian service agency? Why? If you're the LGBTQ community, you know you're approaching Bethany Christian Services. You know. You know what they stand for. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. And so going in there, you're asking them to do something you already know they're not going to do. Wouldn't you just find a different agency, agency to adopt through at that point? Because now you're putting Bethany Christian Services in a place that they don't necessarily want to be. They don't want to tell you you're not fit to be a parent. I wouldn't want to say that because that's not their call. That's not our call. We're not even saying that. And, and, and I don't think Bethany was saying that. They were just saying, this is the guidelines we're going to face. But then we, we get into the, well, why did they make this decision? And personally, it looks as if they were forced for liability reasons at the start of it. And what I don't like is that maybe they made a decision based on liability, but then they scapegoated it with the answer of the compassion of Jesus. And I have a serious problem with that. Where we find in 2018, there was a lesbian couple that were denied mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Bethany Christian Agency. And it was brought to multiple courts mm-hmm. because of this. Because, and we're experiencing it now where if we even teach on what God says about the gay lifestyle, it's, all, it's going to be a hate crime. It, like it's a bill that's waiting to be passed. And so I think places like Bethany, I don't think they're trying to purposely say, well, we're just going to go against our beliefs. I think they're being forced in a way. And I think organizations are being forced in that way. And so my, my initial question was, well, out of all the years of, of impacting lives, why now? Why, why allow that to be something that changes the way you're making a decision? And then why would you say something along the lines of, we are going to offer services with the love and compassion of Jesus for all types of family? when the love and compassion for Jesus was for family in the way that he had created family. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. And so we're we're like we're like jumbling around these these ideas of yeah, it stinks. You don't want to say people are well, you're not fit. That's not what we're saying. But in the other flip side of the coin, why go to an organization that you know doesn't support your lifestyle and then become mad because they don't support your lifestyle? Right. You're antagonizing at that point. Right. When there's, there is a different way for you to be able to do what you want to do. If there was no other way, I guess I could understand the approach, but I don't understand that approach. And so now we're seeing, and my fear is that as families, as Christian families and church organizations, we're going to start seeing this in legislation where even though there's other ways for the LGBTQ community to do their things, they are going to directly approach the church and they are going to directly approach Christianity so that there is an antagonize, an antagonizing moment to where now the conversation has to happen. Either the church and the Christian world changes their approach or there is going to be um, a legal case proceeding for this. That's my fear in all of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we've seen this. I'm going to ask you a question here in a second, but I, I, I want to, I, I want to cover, I want to cover something, it, you know, when, and I want to go back a little bit to the emotional part of it. We were talking about, you know, how yeah. this is an emotional issue, but here's the thing. You have to understand God's plan. So I'm, I'm going to, you should know God's plan, but I'm going to read. I'm just going to, I'm just going to show you what God's plan was, right? So oh. God's plan from the beginning was one man, one woman. Okay. Those mm-hmm. two people would get married. Then they would have children, right? Because yep. you need a man and a woman to have children. That's why he said, let's, you know, put the man and woman together. The father is to be faithful to his wife, right? He's not running yep. out on her. He's not running out on the kids. None of that. Then their kids end up following that same example. And then no kid gets left behind. Like that was God's original plan, right? Right. A man and a woman. The only people that can procreate and make children, right? Make babies, right? Those two people make a commitment to themselves, you know, and make a commitment to the marriage. And then out of that union comes a child. That father and that mother stays faithful to everyone involved. And then that happens from generation to generation to generation. And then no kid. There is no kid without a parent, right? So. We can't, I mean, this is not God's problem. This is a people problem. This is a sin yep. problem. This is a, and so yep. when you get an organization like this who says, you know, we want to be a part of what God is doing and we want to, you know, we want to, you know, extend ourselves as a hand or a foot of Jesus, but then yet we want to support a framework that is diametrically opposed to the word yeah. of God and his union. Yeah. I mean, the reason why we're in this mess and the reason why we have an agency like Bethany Christian Services is because we haven't followed God's plan. Right. So why would an age adoption agency then follow suit and cower to a plan that wasn't God's original plan? The reason why there's a Bethany Christian Services is because somebody said, you know, that stuff that God said really doesn't matter. We're just right. going to do it our way. Right. And this, and this is, the, listen, and this is no way, like, we're not, we're not hating the LGBTQ community. We're not oh, saying that. No, what we're no, saying no. is, is that, listen, there is a Christian agency that was created because we're trying to get kids who are left behind back into the home in which God had created for the home to look like. 
that same agency is now throwing God's plan out the window. And so we need to talk about it. Again, we're not saying anybody in the LGBTQ community can't be a good parents because there are phenomenal parents in that community. Let's just be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not saying that. We're not saying any of that. What we're saying is, is there is a Christian organization that chose to throw the Christian out of it and still be a Christian organization. And so obviously that's going to strike towards Christian homes because they're setting the pace up for how we are to respond to certain legal matters that unfortunately we're going to face and we're going to have to use in our convictions. And so in no way is this an attack towards the LGBTQ community. This is more of a conversation on the lack of morals and mm-hmm. the lack of conviction and integrity on a Christian-based organization. Right. And I'm, I want to read you, you guys, you know, as we talk through this, I want to read you guys ex- right from Bethany Christian Services what they said. Quote, we acknowledge that discussions about doctrine are important. But our sole job is to determine if a family can provide a safe, stable environment for children. Unlike many other children and family welfare organizations, Bethany is committed to partnering with churches to find as many families for vulnerable children as possible. And we seek to place children with families that share our mission. So here's the key words. Our job, our sole job is to determine if a family can provide a safe, stable environment for children. Here's the problem. If you read the Bible and you see what God's framework is for a safe, stable environment for children, it's one man, one woman, faithful to each other, raising their kids in the fear of God. How in the world? Can you provide a safe, stable environment for children in a same-sex relationship? Now, I would encourage you, if this is the first time of you listening to our show, please listen to previous shows so that you understand the love, compassion, the struggling and publicly grappling with all things LGBTQ, right? Because we're human beings. We get it. We know it. We love you. We, yes. we want you to be, we don't want you to be ostracized. We don't want, no. like none of that. We are not a part of that hate and, group type stuff that happens no, and, in and, some sort. And if you, if you listen to our, our previous shows, you'll see that we've spent the time becoming educated so that we can understand, so that we can love, so that we can communicate properly. So again, this is coming off a little harsh, but it's more so like comments like these, if you're a Christian organization, safe stable, those words are defined by your Christian fundamental truths. They're Mm -hmm. not defined by society's definition. They're just not. And so, again, if if this was any other adoption agency, we wouldn't even be discussing this. That's right. Right? I mean, if we found out another adoption agency said, hey, we're going to we're going to allow LGBTQ communities to adopt because we feel like it's a safe, stable environment. Kudos to you. But you cannot be a Christian organization standing in the gap for Christian homes and children to find a biblically-based home and then say, we want to provide a safe and stable environment, yet we're not going to do it the way that God defines stable and safe. That's why we're having this discussion today. And because a lot of our families, a lot of our churches, we're going to be approached with the same type of context of saying, how are we going to navigate this and not get a lawsuit? How are we going to navigate this and not 
devalue an LGBTQ life because that is not our goal. Not to devalue an LGBTQ person's life. You are, if you're in that community, you have an infinite amount of value the same as anybody else does. So we have to find ways to navigate that as a church where we don't neglect our belief, yet we don't devalue the person. And we find here where the person isn't the valued, but the word of God is the valued. And that's a huge issue that we have. And Kevin, you have in your notes, I'm going to steal them from you. But it's literally next down. You say, when we don't do our job, the world takes over. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, in the church world, we can sit here and we can debate this. How could Bethany do this? How could they? And I'm sure Bethany's saying, how could we not find more homes? That's right. How could we not find more people? who say, listen, we want students, we want kids to be in a home like ours, and it's going to be a sacrifice, but this is what God would want for that student. When we don't do our job, the world takes over. 100%. And I think Bethany is throwing a line out to churches when they said in this quote, Bethany is committed to partnering with churches to find as many families for vulnerable children as possible. My thing yeah. is, why, why, why aren't churches and Christians lined up to take these kids so that they can be a part of a biblical family? Like, yeah. that's the, I'm, I, and you will hear me say this from time to time on the show, guys, like, this is such a passion issue of mine. The church is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. I'm telling you, you You don't understand. And most of us have grown up in such a watered down church culture that you have zero idea how impactful the church can actually be. Like God did not say, go and make disciples and do all of these things. He left and went to heaven and say, hey, I want you to be my hands and feet and did not properly equip us to do the things that we need to do. Like just for instance, our pastor a few Sundays ago, he was talking about tithing. And he was saying, and I just actually, I found the notes when I was doing research for this show, I found the article that he was reading from. And it's basically, it basically said that if everyone that is called themselves a Christian and are regular attenders went, if they did just the 10% tithe, it would literally, someone went and calculated all this. It would eradicate hunger, the homelessness, poverty from the earth. Yeah. Just if Christians, we would need government programs. We would need all of these, these subsidies and, 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 you know, human services, like all these things that we have today. We wouldn't even need them. We wouldn't have people depending on the government or voting a certain way so that they, they feel like that this party will take care of them and all of that kind of stuff. No, the church would be doing that. And this would right. literally eradicate it in the world. Well, I bring it back and say, what if everyone in the churches made it more about orphans and widows, right? Like the Bible says, true religion is to take care of orphans and widows, right? When's the last time you've heard that preached in your church? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying, let, I mean, just let that sink in. So mm-hmm. now we have this Christian organization who feels the need and the pressure because the church won't step up. Christians won't step 
up, they now feel the pressure to go out to the world and say, hey, our guys won't do it. Will you? Will you provide a good family for that for uh, for the kids? I mean, how sad is that? And I'm not taking the the onus off of or the burden off of Bethany Christian Services because if they call themselves a Christian organization, they should do what's right no matter what. But what I'm saying to you as a fellow Christian is we've got to get better at understanding what's important. And our orphans and raising these kids in biblical families, we we get upset because kids are they're voting with, you know, in, in ways that they shouldn't. We, we get upset because, you know, they don't understand some of the core values of our society. Well, one hundred and fifty million of them don't even have parents. So what do you expect? Right. You you they need to be guided. And we say the Bible is the best and we say that our, you know, that the Christianity is the way to go. Well, if we're saying that, why don't we want to put that into these children? And I will tell you, it's selfishness. It's the American way. Why? We want yeah. the American dream. So it's yeah. like, I'm going to have my two kids and that's just going to be it. Or I'm going to have my four kids, whatever it takes. And now listen, and I know I'm on a roll here, but here's what I understand. Everyone can adopt children. I understand that. Not everyone can. But we have enough Christians around the world that could step up and say, you know what, instead of me buying that, you know, whatever, name your car, name your house, whatever kind of type of house you want, I will live in a lesser house and I will drive lesser car and I'm going to use that money to have another child, right? That's not mine, right? I'm going to go to the orphanage. I'm going to go to Bethany Christian Service and say, who you got? Like, I'm ready. I'm stepping up to the plate. Put me in, coach. Right? That, that, that's, that's the world. When Jesus left and he just said, here you go. <laughs> I'll be here to help you, but here you go. That's the kind of world and the kind of power he left us. It's up to us if we use that power or not. Yeah, and I get it. Like, I'm sitting here going, I'm not so sure adoption's ever been on my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, for so sure. So here I am. I'm, I'm a family in a church world where I support a girl in Asia financially. Yep. yep. But guess where she's at? Foster care. Right. Yeah, I'm helping buy her clothes and her food and stuff, but she don't have a mom and a dad. And so I look at that and I, I'm thinking, and my excuses are, yeah, but I'm having a third child of my own and we've got finances and we're trying to move in, in, a, in a year or two and we're trying to... And, Again, that's that self-centeredness, even in myself, that we talked a couple weeks ago that Jesus came to abolish, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he spoke against. And, and we, we do it naturally in the U.S. because we're very self-centered, we're so, very self-sufficient. But I do think, too, that we can get into trouble when organizations like Bethany say, hey, well, at some point, we just need to have the compassion of Jesus. Right. And and you said, listen, this is not this is no way taking the Otis off them. But when you make a statement and you say, Well, I'm just I'm just gonna love them the way Jesus would love them. Or I wanna move in the compassion of Jesus. Again, this is more because we as a church have not done our job. And so again, we started out and it sounded as if we were attacking the LGBTQ community and we weren't. It's more of an attack on the church. It's more of an attack on 
us as individuals losing sight of what's important to Jesus and what was important to him when he was here on this earth. And so my second question is, would Jesus, do I think Jesus would support this move by Bethany? This is very sticky ground here, right? But when Bethany says, hey, we want to make a statement, we're going to start moving in the compassion of Jesus. In my opinion, that's a very surface and it's a scapegoat answer as to why you don't know the reasoning to compromising your beliefs. Mm-hmm. When we say things like, well, Jesus would do this, or I'm going to move in the same compassion of Jesus, you better be sure you know what you're talking about. Because to me, it sounds like you don't have the right answer. And so you're defaulting to that answer. Uh, anytime you study Jesus, his compassion is that you and I don't go to hell. Right. His compassion is that you and I are not identified by our circumstances here on earth. His compassion is that even though we're going to struggle, there's a way out of that struggle. That's right. His compassion is that his love is going to require an organic change in our situations. And his compassion is that even if the truth hurts, he's going to tell you the truth. And you, because of his compassion to die for you, you have the decision on whether or not you're going to accept that truth. And we find all throughout the Gospels where Jesus will give somebody his time and his attention and his love. And he will say, listen, if you want real value, if you want to experience real truth in real life and you want to experience eternity, here's what you have to change. Yeah. And it was in those moments where the person would decide, I'm not going to change and I don't accept that message, or I'm going to accept that message and I'm going to change. That's the compassion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, as a Christian organization, the problem I have is when you say, we're going to move out of the compassion of Jesus, there are ways to love LGBTQ community, and there are ways to love all the other communities that don't line up with the Word of God. And yet, still show compassion of Jesus and not give them the benefits of the kingdom of God without following the kingdom of God. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There's ways of doing that. And mm-hmm. I think that, I just think that unfortunately, we've seen an organization lay down to the fear of liability and the fear of a lawsuit and say, well, we're just going to move in the compassion of Jesus. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And if I'm wrong, call me out. I mean, I'll come on air and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry I'm wrong, but the Jesus that I read about and the Jesus I study about is one that loves every single person and finds a way to love them, but he's also one that approaches and confronts truth in even the hardest situations. We're worried about liabilities and lawsuits. Jesus' compassion put him on the cross. Right. Mm. We're worried about being sued because couples that are in a union that doesn't support the word of God are Mm. going to sue us. Jesus approached things like that. And because he did, he was murdered. Mm. Mm. You've got to understand the compassion of Jesus. Yeah. The compassion of Jesus got him on a cross because he spoke truth when people didn't want to hear the truth. And he loved through that. So good. Like I, yeah, I, I literally could not have said that better. You know, what, what, what do we talk about at Easter? The passion, right? The, the passion of Jesus. Yeah. Don't call yourself compassionate and don't say that you're more compassionate. Because basically what, what you would be saying is I'm more compassionate than Jesus. There's no one that's more compassionate than Jesus. And Jesus no. did not back down from anything he ever said. No. Nope. <laughs> 
Like he never backed down and he said some hard truths. And I will tell you one of the most compassionate things you could ever do for anybody is tell them the truth. There is so much compassion and truth. Like why, why in the world would I tell somebody if I was a doctor and somebody was dying of cancer, why would I say, why would I not tell that person they're dying of cancer? Just say, you know what? Yeah. You know, you're having some stomach issues and, and you know, it's not stomach cancer. It's, it's, you know, and tell them it's something totally different because I don't want them to feel bad. Or I don't want them to whatever. But then later on, you know, two, three, four months later, they end up dying. That wasn't compassion. That that was not compassion. I mean, that was and really it was selfishness. It was to because you didn't want to experience them being upset. You didn't want to experience them not liking what you had to say. So you just decided to hide the truth from them. That's actually evil. Like there is, and remember this guys, there is compassion in truth. Always tell the truth. That's why Jesus always, always, always. And and like Kyle so eloquently put it, that's why Jesus always told the truth, even if it meant his life, because he knew there was greater compassion in the truth than there was in a lie to give you a temporary fix to make you feel good. And so that he didn't have to deal with the fact that maybe you didn't like him or whatever the case may be. That's not what yeah. he was concerned about. And I just want to challenge you. We, we've been doing this in our church staff, but we've been educating ourselves on the LGBTQ community, whether it's a homosexual lifestyle, transgenderism, the gender neutrality. The best thing I could do for my compassion for the LGBTQ community was, was learn. Yeah. Was become educated. Yeah. Because like I said, there are ways to show your compassion towards, and I don't want to just harp on a homosexual community. I don't want to do that. I mean, there's a tons of other communities. There's people that come into our church daily that are in some type of sin, sinful habit. We all sin. I sin. But I'm talking sinful habits that they just, they're just not in agreement with the Word of God on. There are ways to show compassion to all types of people without compromising your belief on the Word of God. The problem is, is that we have not allowed ourselves to become educated on the homosexual community the way that we have on anybody else. Right. And so we don't know how to act in compassion to, towards them. And so, and that is an indictment against Christians. And so if you're a part of the LGBTQ community and you're listening to this, just understand that we hold the same standards as human beings here on our education towards you and your community as we would like for you to hold towards us and our community. Amen. With the same lines of respect, mm-hmm. understanding that there may be no points of compromise either way, but at least we're doing our best to educate ourselves as to why there isn't, mm-hmm. so that we could love each other better. Because the, the true root of this is we need to find a way to love everybody better without compromising morals, without compromising beliefs. We, we should be able to do that in humanity. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're not. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're allowing ourselves to compromise out of love instead of becoming educated and loving better without compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I want to read just the last two quotes from um, Bethany. So it says, for us to carry out our mission, we are building a broad coalition of Christians, finding families and resources for children in the greatest need. The people we serve deserve to know they are worthy of being safe, loved, and connected. 
The need is uh-huh. great. So we are taking an all hands on deck approach. And this is one I think Kyle had mentioned this earlier. You know, and I had just put a note down, you know, why don't we just do what's right and leave the outcome to God? Right? Like what like what you know, we're saying, well, we got to get all hands on deck because we don't have enough children, you know, being being adopted. Well, why don't we continue to be faithful, right? That's what God wants us to be, right? And, and, and He will cause us to be fruitful. If we're faithful, He will cause the fruit to come. And they just said, we believe that Christians with diverse beliefs <laughs> can unify around our mission of demonstrating the love and compassion of Jesus. It's an ambitious mission, and we can only accomplish it together. Yeah, well, you know, we we accomplish it by doing what God has called us to do. That's what we do. We don't put the mission over the message, right? Mm -hmm. We don't do that, you know, because then it becomes our agenda instead of God's agenda. God's agenda is in his word. That's his message. Once our mission trumps his message, we're on the wrong mission. And our mission statement needs to change. And we can add God to it, add Jesus, add all the, all the things. But at the end of the day, it is not compassion because it's not rooted and grounded in truth. Right. That's the, that's, and, and guys, I know it doesn't feel good. Like it doesn't, it, it, it defies kind of sometimes our, our emotions. And I've been very honest on this show. And I will say this, and I'm probably, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I don't hear heterosexual Christians say this enough, is that I don't know why God created marriage the way he created it. I have no idea. You know, when I look at that and I see people who are the same sex and they love each other and that's just their thing, like they, you know, they're they're monogamous. They they don't want to be with anybody else. They truly fall in love with, like, I don't know why God says that's wrong. I don't. And I'm, I'm willing to say that with my outside voice. What I can't do is not bow my knee to his supremacy. I am finite. He's infinite. I, I can't even come close to his wisdom. So I have no idea why he said, I don't know why he created the world the way he did. Why can't those, you know, if same sex people love each other, get together? I don't know. Right. But I can't just because I don't know. And just because someone else may say, well, I would have done it differently. Doesn't mean like at the end of the day, God is still God. I am not. And at the end of the day, if I'm not following what he's saying, I'm not in truth. So I'm just saying that to bring some humanity, because, you know, you know, I never want people to think that we're on this on the air on a high horse talking down or looking down our noses at anyone, because I'll tell you right now, I am the first one to not understand a lot of things. I, I don't understand why things, some, some things are the way they are. Yeah. And I'm okay with saying that. And I think some Christians need to be okay with that. It's yeah. not that you're condoning it. It's just that you're being a human and saying, hey, you know, if I'm struggling with the person that I'm marrying, why is divorce such a big deal? Right? Or you know, why, you know, uh, I don't know what well, all the things, right. That we struggle with, you know, and this is just another one, right. I'm a human being. I don't understand, but I have to, I have to follow Christ because he, you know, is number one. So I don't know what if, you know, and I just, a couple of thoughts on mine was, you know, w- would they have 
would they have felt the pressure to do this if, if Christians were, were standing up and taking the challenge, right? We talked about that a little bit earlier. But I would also say we need to pray for the 1,500 people or whatever number it is. I think it was 1,500 people yep. that work for them. Because think about it. If your views are traditional marriage and you now work for this organization and you made your career there and you've been there for a long time, imagine kind of the, the mental turmoil that you're going through right now. And you're thinking, man, do I, am I wrong if I stay here and support this vision and this mission? You know, do I, you know, do I just quit my job? Like, you know, like what, like, what do I do? Because I'll tell you right now, it would have been very, like, it would have been very possible for me to have worked for this organization because I absolutely, down through the years, love the work that they do. So I could have done human resources there, no problem. If I had been in that position of human resources now at Bethany, I would be struggling on what I should do. Like, I feel like I know what my knee-jerk reaction would be. My knee-jerk reaction would be, I can't support this. I can't continue to support an organization who now is going completely opposite from the Word of God. But by the same token, I would have a family to, to, <laughs> to support, right? So it's just a human struggle. But I think at the end of the day, as Christians, we're never going to live in a world where we're not going to go against the grain. Like we're always going to go against the grain in some area of society because this is not our home. Like we're just, we're, we're passing through. Like it, that's just the way it is. But we get so stuck in the moment. We get so stuck in this world as if this is it. This is not it. We're living for the next, right? And so I just think it's just important. So, but I, you know, I encourage you guys to, you know, as we grapple with these things publicly, you can as well. And we want to know your thoughts. We want to know your opinions. So hit us up on Facebook. And I'll tell you, our, our desire is that we get more interaction on Facebook, Instagram, all of that, because we've got over a thousand people. And thank you so much. We have over a thousand people now following us. We just hit that number just this week, over a thousand people following us on our Facebook page. Um, and our Facebook page is simply Thinking Out Loud Podcast. Just look for our logo there. You'll see that because if there's some other Thinking Out Loud podcasts, I don't want you to get confused with those. You'll see our logo. And uh, we have Thinking Out Loud Podcast fans, which is a private Facebook group for you to be a part of. But please let, let you know, I, I want to hear from you guys and we want to hear from you. Also, if you are listening to us right now on Apple, why don't you scroll down right now to the bottom of that app right now, and there's going to be a section there where you can rate and review. Do us a favor. It helps us greatly. Go ahead and rate us. Rate us five stars if you think it's five stars, right? And also write a review. Don't just rate us, but write a review. We would love to see that, and uh, it just helps our podcast to come up to the top when people search. So the more of you guys that do that, the better. And there's a ton of you guys listening out there. So I know that we can get those numbers up. So if you could do that, it'd be awesome. Also share, 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 share these episodes on your Facebook, your Instagram, you know, tag Kyle and I find us on Facebook, Kevin Wilson. And, you know, right on my thing, it says, you know, host of thinking out loud, 
find Kyle, tag us in the posts. We'd love to do that. Let's boost up our online community. We're, we're really trying to do that. So help us out in, in that way. And um, if you want to give, you can certainly give. We don't talk about that much, but you can give to the podcast, not only through Cash App, but also through Venmo. And so Cash App, you know, it's just a dollar sign and thinking out loud media. And then, of course, Venmo is also thinking out loud media. So if you find it in your heart, it's not cheap (laughs) doing a podcast. Uh, And so, you know, we definitely want to make sure we bring good content to you. But we also want to make sure that we are doing this in a professional, high quality manner. And we make sure that we pay well so that this comes out in high quality. So thanks so much for listening. God bless you guys. We love you guys. And we will see you next week. Next week.